What's up, people? Welcome to Wrestle Update, Episode 2. I'm your host, Dylan Fox, right here on the Five Star Network and CageMatch.net. We've made it another episode, and as always, joined by Scott Edwards, the mastermind behind the Five Star Network himself. It's so good to be here again with you, man. I'm happy to be here. We have a lot to talk about, obviously, you know, from the weekly stuff, uh, including a phenomenal episode of AEW Dynamite. Um, and then Roz and Smackdowns that definitely did happen. However, I don't think anyone cares about that news right now. So we're going to, you know, maybe not talk about that for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, the first episode I was pretty happy with. We were still kind of, you know, there's so many things going on, so many spinning things in life and the world of wrestling that the first episode was kind of like, you know, we're getting our feet wet a little bit. I think we're going to really get into a good groove on this episode. Although you are correct, there are some other things that people want to hear about and want to know about and want to talk about, and we're going to give it to them. We're not, we're not going to drag it out on you, try and make you listen to the whole show when they get to that. Uh, we're going to start off right away. And, of course, the main conversation, when you see CM, you may think cage match when you see the website. But that's not who we're talking about right now. We are talking about CM Punk, the chick magnet. And Scott, uh, don't call him the chick. You, it, uh, it's not. He said that in court. Okay? I know. He, he testified to that. I will not. I have to respect his factual statements. But I will say uh, this is very interesting here because you mentioned on the last episode that you are a huge CM Punk fan. Uh, yeah, and, man, he's the reason I'm here. And I think a lot of people are that way too. There's him, a, him, and uh, I, if you wanted to hear my like wrestling timeline of like fandom. I got into it thanks to SmackDown versus Raw 2007. Um, okay. It's fallen out of it. 2012 comes around. 2011. 2011 comes around, I think. Um, and I, you know, I start to become a big CM Punk fan. He has the big Summer Punk, obviously in WWE. Um, and then after he loses the belt, I'm like, eh, well, all right, the Shield. The Shield are my guys now. Um, and then. You know, wrestling has changed since then. But that's my mini reason as to why I'm such a fan, and it's a lot of because of CM Punk and uh, all his work. And that that translated eventually to, you know, Kenny Omega and whatnot, but you don't need to hear that journey today. My main point is CM Punk's one of my favorites of all time. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned it in the last episode, and everybody has their favorites. I think there's a lot of people, especially around 11, that, man, that pipe bomb promo hit, and everybody was talking about it. I still remember it. Uh, obviously, I've been watching for a little bit longer than you. I got started like the late 90s, turn of the decade. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, my favorites were in a different era. But Punk, he's a guy that I followed a lot of his career ever since he got to the, the WWE version of ECW. Uh, which, uh, hey, uh, let me ask you one question before we move on to this. So something more fun. Who did you use in career mode in SmackDown versus Raw 2007? Well, I made myself. Uh, of course, that's the, that is the move right there. Uh, I made I, myself. I used to wear. Um, I used to have long blue hair. I love it. Um, I remember this vividly from that game. I think my guy was a heavyweight, maybe super heavyweight. He was he was ripped, and uh, I loved that game. That game was the best. I had a real good career mode. Great soundtrack. Yeah, oh, great, great soundtrack. soundtrack. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember those days too. Uh, what, that was the one that introduced Money in the Bank for the first time, I think. Yes, to, yes, uh, yes, SBR yes. Too. yes. So that was like a huge ladder match fan at the time. So I was into that. The only thing wrong was when they had like Candace Michelle turning you into a girl into career mode. Yeah, uh, there. yeah like that. Who wrote that storyline? You know, because sometimes with these WWE writers, you don't know where they're coming from. But otherwise, yeah, there was a lot of cool stuff on there. But that said, we're not here to talk about old uh, SmackDown versus Raw games. Although I would love to do that because I played all of them pretty much. Uh, we are here to talk about CM Punk. And so I'm going to – I don't know how to get into all of the ins and outs of this without it being like a five-hour <laughs> experiment, I would say. You know, I can I can pretty much highlight it all. I feel like, I feel like I've been so locked into this stuff, and I've heard a lot since then, and that, as a lot of people have just by default. Yeah. Um, so, so the basis is right. On Wednesday, as we teased – Right? We teased last week the upfronts would be a big day. Obviously, there was no TV deal, and that was, like, the first thing that jumped out to me. I was a little shocked. I think a lot of people were because it felt like we were getting a TV deal announcement. That wasn't the case, but we did get the collision announcement. WCW Nitro infused style, right? Everything (laughs) about it had the WCW feel, and I was like, okay, I'm with this. I like the look, but a lot of people say instantly, oh, where's CM Punk? And and to me, I never thought CM Punk was going to be on the stuff, personally. I always thought he was going to be kept the unofficial but kind of official secret just because that's how he's always worked. He likes to be a surprise. He works old-fashioned. Um, and with his return, I felt like they're not going to want to announce it. They're going to want to announce it in all the other ways like they did last time, right? Uh, yeah. We're going to do the United Center and we're going to do this and that, which – you know, we're still pending on, but that's how I expected it to happen. And then, of course, he's not announced. Uh, people ask uh, Warner Media, and they say CM Punk has nothing to do with Collision. Fast forward, then there's reports that he was removed from the graphic. He was originally on the graphic, and then they put MJF on the graphic to uh, replace him. And that's when everything happened, right? Uh, reports came out that there was a tussle, there was uh, the miscommunication, and CM Punk may no longer be coming back. Ace Steel was coming back. That was the big one of the week. That Ace Steel was already back. Ace Steel wasn't actually there, uh, right? We we got, I think, seven different reports about Ace Steel, and they all contradicted themselves one way or the other. <laughs> yes. Um Ace Steel has been working remote this whole time, and he was planned to come back, and then he couldn't, so he was barred from the building. That's what made CM Punk mad. We've had some other reports. Um, I don't, I've heard so much personally that I don't even know what's official anymore, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Ultimately, it went from Collision CM Punk's show to will CM Punk even be there for the first Collision? That's the basis. I'm sure you can add the, the, uh, other important pieces, but I wanted to try to sum it up as quickly as I could. We don't know for sure, but the Ace Steel stuff was, I think, the major stuff more than anything else. And that has been reported. Like you said, that's kind of the issue with this. I mean, we're going through something in a matter of three, four, maybe five days, and Things have just been swirling like crazy through different sources, different people talking. I've heard some things myself, so we'll just kind of go through that. 
something that I had heard, like you said, there was contradicting reports on whether at first it seemed like they made it seem like maybe Ace Steel was coming back to the company and that was some kind of problem there. And then it came out, as you said, maybe he was hired back months ago. Mm. That was another report that came that out. That was a Nick Hausman report. Um, I think it was Fightful that reported that he was back. Um, the Meltzer said that he may not be back, I think. It was a lot. I have a headache even trying to think about it. And they had even mentioned that Impact had made a call for Ace yes. to come in as a, a tryout. He said no. Yeah, so the speculation automatically was, well, I guess he must be either in AEW or coming back to AEW. Right. Um, you know, so that's obvious speculation. I had heard that Tuesday things kind of hit the fan. Yeah. Uh, and something had happened. We don't really know what other than that. It's a not pleasant meeting, to say the least, that occurred with CM Punk and, and TK, Tony Khan. But by Wednesday, whatever the issue was, it must not have been that bad, bad, you know. It had gotten worked out in the day, and now things are back. And then that Nick Houseman report you, call, you called out, there was also a part in it where he basically said, hey, things are good between Punk and Tony Khan. Punk wants to help the company. He's got the best, you know, the best interest at heart. He's excited to come back. A lot of positive things on Punk. Uh, I know there was lots of talk about that. People were retweeting it. People that were close to Punk uh, kind of like didn't outright, you know, give it the thumbs up. But people that as known to have, to have talked to Punk gave it a retweet. And a lot of people speculate that that must be something they uh, is true or they they want to be true. Uh, the uh, you know, just on the official company stuff, because there's the other part of it where Punk <laughs> made his return to Instagram uh, videos, which we saw what kind of hot water that turned into a few, a few months ago with him and Moxley. He had this big rant on Brian Alvarez. Uh, you know, if you know Wrestling Observer, Figure Four Weekly, Dave Meltzer, you mentioned him, and his partner is Brian. Uh, and Punk had posted this thing on Instagram. One of his favorite things to do is to post Instagram <laughs> stories uh, and people he's mad at or seemingly mad at, uh, where he just basically told him to shut up, <laughs> shut up, and don't talk about me. Challenge. You I always forget about this part, truthfully, because I was like, this has nothing. To, like, this isn't going to stop him from coming back. So this, this no. was like, I just remember people freaking out about it. I was like, I mean. This isn't going to be what uh, leads to him not coming back about anything. But. No, it's more an aesthetic issue than anything because you know yeah. this kind of because a lot of people, if you're a punk fan, may you you know you've seen him and maybe some of his friends in AEW and other people out there have nothing to do with this. They really go hard on the wrestling media. Your Dave Meltzer's, your Brian Alvarez, and stuff like that. So punk calling Alvarez out, that's going to kind of circle the wagons, make them circle the wagons, and really make them. Into like they'll be into it, but if you're a CM Punk hater, uh, you know it seems very petty, especially when you brought up the stuff from like 15 years ago or whatever. It was one of those things where it was like, come on, man, you know, like this yeah. is aesthetically kind of weird. But I agree with you. Ultimately, that stuff is more for the fans and and ramp, you know, rampant speculation on Twitter, not necessarily anything to do with the company. It seemed like all of that was what you were kind of talking about with Ace, um, and we still don't really know his. His status with the elite, Moxley, Jericho, there's been reports about that, too. Some people have said that him and Jericho had a meeting uh, a few weeks ago. Again, it's nothing we could say for sure. It's not like we were in CM Punk's living room before this. I don't know if you were. There was a report at one time that Jericho brought up the idea of bringing back Ace Steel, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, yeah. Which was like kind of crazy. I think that was a. F- I don't want to misquote anyone, but I do. Yeah. Believe, I do remember that being reported. Yeah, I heard that too. I read that too. I don't remember where, but I, I did read that somewhere. Uh, there's been so many reports, like you said, guys. You got to understand. I know a lot of people listening to this will understand as well. Um, there was so much flying around on the public sphere that this took over some things. And I'll tell you right now, Scott. Uh, like I said, you know, you told me you were a big fan of his. I am much closer to a punk hater than a, a fan. Not necessarily because of this stuff, but <laughs> just stuff that. Uh, I'm sure this didn't help. It it didn't make me love him, but I I have a comment on that. I want everyone to keep that in mind when they hear what I have to say about this whole situation, pretty much. Mm. Um, Because I'm not a big fan of his. His stuff in AEW, I will say, even as a hater, I think that he's had – it's undeniable he's had great moments just as a performer. The stuff with MJF, everybody talks about the the dog collar match, amazing moment. His return, that made a big difference. Uh, and did a lot of great things. So I want Isn't to the only time Rampage at a million. That's Say right. But he when he was on there, yeah, that was one of the bigger. That did bigger than I think most of the Dynamites was at one point four million on yeah, Rampage. It was an insane number. Yeah, very high. So you have to really give him credit, you know, where it's due. And to me, this is where I'm kind of going with this, Scott. I'll let you have your say. Uh, but yeah, I was, you, know, you go first for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you have your say. I want to tell you where I'm coming, uh, all you guys out there, where I'm coming from, where I'm thinking about all this. So we kind of ran down the story pretty much. There's lots of reports, so on and so forth. So people are bringing, bringing up some bad stuff from years ago on Punk back to, you know, it's a crazy situation. But to me, the ultimate tale of all of this is not going to be told through Twitter or online feuds with Alvarez or, or anybody else. The ultimate tale of all this is going to be told in ratings and pay-per-view buys. Let's say, because also it's worth mentioning, too, that Houseman report basically said that he's good to go for the 17th. Uh, and yeah. really, nobody has actually reported that, no, he won't be there outside of WBD uh, when they said he's not involved in, in collision at all. I, like That was right. a, a direct quote from them. Right. Uh, but nobody else has reported that. Everyone else has seen, even people that have maybe said, oh, he's being a disruption or there's crazy stuff happening. They had a bad day. Nobody has said anything except he'll be there on the 17th. Mm-hmm. So if, if this all comes to play, you know, again, we're doing it right now on the weekend. Maybe by Wednesday, something else crazy, another bomb will get dropped on everybody and, and nobody mm-hmm. will know what's going on and everything will change. Sure. But as as of right now, if they come back on the 17th, you know, and we we talked about it on Dynamite or, or just a brief mention of this, Tony was on Dynamite and he announced that the collision is the new show. He announced that, but he specifically didn't announce where the 17th would be. Right. That's, that's what Meltzer uh, also reported, that there is a backup location. Yeah, and it was a smaller building, but still in the Illinois area, correct? Um, the building I've heard was not in the Illinois area, but, um, maybe I don't, I don't remember the full report, but I just know there was a backup building definitely smaller than the United Center. Yeah. I I read the report about the backup building as well, uh, but, uh, wherever it is where I've been told is not really shocking, which is why it doesn't really affect anything to me, but I won't, uh, officially say that at the moment. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, the point is, though, 
from what we know now, as we're recording, and again, maybe everything will change. We're not privy to the super ins and outs. We're not in CM Punk's circle, or I'm not anyway. But I think that if this comes back on the 17th, and they have a huge rating once again, then whatever aesthetic... The thing is, I don't blame the fans for not liking what's going on now and how he's acted in public. That's totally, totally reasonable, in my opinion. But ultimately, if he comes in and makes a big difference right away, once again, as he did before, then any negative parts of this don't matter. Mm -hmm. If things don't change, maybe it's a minor jump, not really that big of a difference, then we just have to look at it at face value. And obviously, he's behaving in a way... That is embarrassing to himself and the company. His stuff with Alvarez showed his character, or maybe lack thereof, uh, depending on your point of view. But from Puck's side, his fans are going to eat all of that up, kind of what I said before. Uh, everything I personally might not like, that is let ultimately, and this is where I was going with this too, everything you could say as maybe a non-fan of Punk or not just even if you're a fan, you just don't like what he's doing, everything that has happened has led to him being talked about more consistently over anything else going on in wrestling right now. And, you know, we'll talk about Dynamite in a bit. There was an amazing angle that has been built up for months and months and months. And yet the thing that everyone talked about was what he was doing and what he was up to. He always seems to find his way to the spotlight. So what did you say? What were you going to say, Scott? Yeah, so obviously – I look at this, and I've specifically said, I've tweeted this out, I will not be talking about this until June 17th arrives, because that was me essentially saying, I have full belief he will be there come June 17th. Right. Um, I have full confidence he will be. Because this is his show. People, people need to understand that. This is his show. This show is happening with the idea that CM Punk will be on that show. He has all the power. That's the problem for AEW, and I think the the fans that don't like Punk in this scenario, he has all the power on his side of things because there is a brand split happening because of him. There is, and I'm not saying Warner Media has come out and said, you know, this show is happening because of CM Punk, but we've pretty much got enough reports to say it's happening because of CM Punk. Um, so he has all the power, and. Uh, I'm not shocked by the Ace Steel stuff. Ace Steel stuff. Um, <laughs> that being said, I don't think it's worth causing a ruckus about either. Because listen, at the end of the day, what Ace Steel did was, it was you know, he could have went to prison for that, like jail. He could have went to jail I, for that. He, you know, he he bit someone and uh, reportedly. Um, and there's he you know it was a fight and he, they attacked the young bucks and they attacked their EVPs right like that would never happen in any other business it just wouldn't you'd be fired immediately you'd be escorted from the building stuff like that um so I use that mindset but I also use the mindset of CM Punk no matter what people want to try to say is a draw and not only is he a draw. He's very good at this whole pro wrestling thing. I don't know if people know that. I don't know. I think some people like to just act like he's not. When he was in AEW, more often than not, he had the most interesting story going. 
whether it was the Eddie Kingston story, which was fantastic and short lived, mind you. Um, the MJF story, I think, is the greatest story in AEW history. You know, I know elite fans will probably come for me on that one. And I love the elite. Love the elite. Um, but I think it's the best single story that they've created. And it made MJF a bona fide superstar. Um, ultimately, this show does need CM Punk. Because if CM Punk's not coming in, you can't do a brand split. Because no offense to these guys, but Orange Cassidy and Miro and Thunder Rosa and Powerhouse Hobbs and the House of Black and FTR aren't going to draw on Saturday night by themselves. You're going to need star power. And, of course, if you look at the ratings, we know MJF isn't necessarily the biggest draw either. What do you do if there's no CM Punk? That's why he has all the power. Because you need CM Punk on the show to make it work. Saturday night is a tough spot, no matter how you slice it. Some parts of the year it won't be. Like, they're starting at the right time. It's going to be only baseball season. With the only contend, the only thing you have to contend with for the most part will be UFC on most, on every other Saturday or someone. And even then, not all of the UFC shows are must see. And most of the UFC shows don't start really till 10, as in the pay per view cards. So, you're in a good spot with this show for the time being, but you need CM Punk to make this count. And that brings me to everything that has come from this. CM Punk's old-fashioned guy. If he can create, and this is this is me just thinking, you know, putting my tinfoil hat on. This isn't this. I don't know anything on this end, but CM Punk's an old-fashioned guy. He clearly wants himself to be a surprise. That's just how he works. Right? The the first dance was obviously you want that to be a surprise, but it was it was a surprise in that everyone knew but they didn't know, right? Why wouldn't he try that again? And try to, you know, one, sell out the United Center, two, get a big rating, and three, maybe have his first match in months on that show. I, I you know, I know some people that do talk to Punk. The the first main of the first potential main event for collision is incredible. And it would get people in the door. Almost you shouldn't do it as a surprise if that's going to be your main event and see a punk's locked in. But I understand why Tony Khan wouldn't announce it yet, just be based off the, uh, the little mishap that happened earlier this week. My end point here is, I think CM Punk's an incredible pro wrestler, but that doesn't mean I think his all of his tactics are the right ones. Not by any means. I wouldn't pretty much if if you care so much about the wrestling and you want to be back don't don't die on the hill of a steel don't do it it's not worth it it's not worth it at all because he's not going to be in the building it's not worth it that's another report that we had heard that he was actually if he was hired he just wasn't in the building he was working from yeah. home or whatever that that had been exactly. a point of contention my 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 whole point here is collision's going to need cm punk at least at the start. And that's just the reality. Especially if they go hard brand split, you're going to need it. And he knows that. Tony Khan has to get some control, though. He can't let CM Punk pretty much do whatever he wants. He's his employee at the end of the day. And it feels like sometimes... 
Tony Khan's CM Punk's employee. Right? That's what it feels like. That's the truth. He said it himself at the All Out. You know, I'm running a business here. <laughs> you know, and Punk, he Punk said it himself. Yeah, see, so. It makes you think. Um, at the end of the day, I think CM Punk coming back is a good thing for uh, for wrestling as long as it's on the wrestling side. But you need to be careful. You need to be careful for AEW because AEW is getting red hot again. They feel red hot again, I should say. And they're heading into a couple months that includes their biggest show ever, Forbidden Door 2 as well, Double or Nothing this upcoming weekend, and then All Out the week after All In. This is the biggest couple months AEW is going to have in their history. You can do it with or without CM Punk, but if you have CM Punk in the driver's seat and he's ready and willing to work, you're going to benefit from that at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I, I totally get where you're coming from. I will give a little bit of a counter to one part of it. Like it kind of lead into my next point that I was going to make on all of this. I think that what you said about Punk's performance – and what he did in AEW, his first go-round, is totally true. Uh, like, everything you said was right. The Kingston stuff was great. The actual wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His, and even the promos and stuff. He had great promos with MJF, great promo with Kingston. He built up his matches, obviously had the dog-collar match, which definitely, maybe some people say it's not the best, but you can't tell me it's not one of the best at worst in sure. AEW history. Sure. Uh, and if you say it's the best, then nobody can really argue because that was an amazing match, no matter what you think of anybody. My only gripe a little bit is by the end, the his the wheels felt like they were coming off a little bit. And maybe that was due to some injury issues. Maybe mm-hmm. that there was some personal frustrations that were going on that boiled over Absolutely. and blew up. You know, maybe there were reasons behind it. But the CM Punk that debuted wasn't necessarily the same as the one in June and July uh, that that happened. So I think that actually, obviously, the circumstances behind it are are crazy. But again, how crazy is it? Again, and this is where I'm coming from, with all this stuff that may seem bad on the surface, to me, when I look at Punk, you say what you want about him, but this guy, he is a smart guy. Like, you know, he is not a dumb idiot. He's a calculating guy. Let's just go back to that all out. Remember when he went up to Nick Houseman, he had that planned out to go at Cabana. That was clearly part of the plan. And unfortunately, oh, yeah. <laughs> Houseman uh, blew his spot, he said, <laughs> and said, no, I'm actually not friends with him either. Uh, but he had stuff calculated. Davis straight up said, although you know, quickly redacted and said it in a different way, this is another kind of internet gossip or whatever, but Dave himself has basically said that punks talked to him. While talking bad about Wrestling Reserver publicly, he just brought out decade-old receipts on uh, Alvarez. Punk, to me, comes across – I know he had that thing where he's talking about touching grass or whatever. But Mm -hmm. if if you ask me and look at his actions, he is hyper-aware of his own perception. And it's led to what could be stressful times for Tony Khan. Or he might see see what I see, too. You know, let's give Tony Khan maybe a benefit of the doubt here, devil's advocate, whatever – Maybe he sees that, hey, Punk is constantly getting talked about. AEW is talked about a lot online. That good and bad, maybe he's not as bothered by all of this as maybe a lot of people thinks 
mm-hmm. and doesn't see it as a problem that he can't turn into angles in the future. Because that's another thing. Who's to say that all of this can't lead into an on-screen feud with any number of people <laughs> that we've oh, seen? Oh, yeah. Already? You know? Punk's just going to be willing to allow that to happen. And that that's the issue of it, too. And we don't know what kind of conversations Punk and Khan are having at the deep, deep level. But you have sure. to think with what we know for certain. He uh, – Khan has to see – you know, if he wanted to fix all this, he could easily lay down the law – risk putting Punk on the bench for good, and maybe he'll never come back if he doesn't get his way. But he has to think, Tony Khan does, never mind mine or yours or anybody else's opinion, he has to think the juice is worth the squeeze for Punk and what he's got going on. And, you know, I respect... Oh, he absolutely does. Exactly. And I tell you, if it was me and I ran the company, I would handle it differently myself, yes. But I respect Tony Khan. I respect his work ethic with everything that he's done. I mean, you just talked about it. AEW's heating up. Wembley, a lot of people doubted him going into that, and look what's happened. It's going to be one of the, not just one of, by far, the biggest show in the history of the company. And in a begrudging way, again, I said it at the start, I'm not a Punk fan, but I respect Punk for using everything he has to get his way and be a master negotiator. Because guess what? In wrestling, that almost never happens with any other wrestler. And I bet, if anything, even if they were maybe friendly with him or maybe just neutral in all of this, I wonder if there aren't some egos in the locker room because we know wrestlers have a, some big egos. They're seeing Punk. Like you said, it seems like he practically runs the company at times and gets everything that he wants and gets away with any negatives, perceived negatives. This could be something where some people look at him and wish, damn, I wish I could have this kind of stroke that Punk has mm-hmm. and, and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we saw, listen, look at a few weeks ago, Punk coming backstage to Raw. Uh, you think that was an accident? He knew what he was doing. Again, this is, a, this is a, a smart, calculating individual right here. He knew how it would look. He knew yeah. what he was doing on Instagram would look. Right. That's yeah. why I brought up the idea that maybe some of this is to create mystery around his yeah. return. Because he likes the old-fashioned, oh, you know, surprise. That's something he loves. He loves the old-fashioned ways. So I think you're absolutely nailing that there, too. Yeah, and I think that, again, we'll know the end game of all of this within, I mean, the first step is obviously going to be the 17th, but by the time we'll we know get to, Wednesday when he announces the United Center or not. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I really have a hard time thinking that, oh, we come on there on the 17th and, and Khan says, well, we're going to Daly's place for the, for, for this show. Right. I just... I just, like you said... If he says that, then yeah, be scared. Th- yeah, that's true. Then, we, then we'll come back and we'll be like, okay, well, clearly something terrible has happened that we don't yeah. know about. Something's broken if down. If he says anywhere besides the United Center, something happens. Absolutely. And, you know, Wembley is on the verge of being a huge success, so you can't be too hard on things just because there's bad aesthetics at the end of the day. Because I know that it looks bad publicly, but at the end of the day, if this turns into, again, kind of what I was leading into, his run at the end, I remember in his hometown, the crowd was chanting for MJF after his own big title win. He yeah. had not, He was not where he was at the start. I think, if anything... His star power has only grown. This is just my prediction. This is nothing official. This is just my thoughts and my feelings seeing what happened. I think his star power has only grown in his time off to where even if you hate this guy and hate what he represents, I think a lot of people want to see what's going to happen. You know, some people pro wrestling. Exactly. Great point. Like 
okay, then make him a heel. There's your solution. Pretty Absolute, easy. Absolutely. Right? Um, my, my last thing on this, yeah. you know, before we kind of move on, is wrestling is better when CM Punk's in it. Like, twenty, the end of 2021 for AEW is the best I've ever seen them. That's my personal opinion. You had that going on. You had Hangman's chase to the title, right? You had Danielson. You had Adam Cole come in. You had all these great things. Um, and it feels like we're heading back to that type period, doesn't it? Just based off TV, not even the CM Punk stuff, but just based yeah. off TV. Everyone's healthy now. It's it's a different time for AEW. You're seeing the best of the best from what they got. Tony Khan if, said it on his, on his own. If you're an AEW fan, I understand you should pro like yes, some of this punk stuff is hurting the way of the brand, but at the same time, his return and assuming he's able to, you know, work with everyone and everything goes right or you know, enough, right? Because at the end of the day, CM Punk's still going to be CM Punk, like we know who he is by now. But if he's able to work, it's going to benefit AEW. It's going to benefit everyone. You're going to have two must-see shows every single week from a single promotion. Isn't that a great thing? That, that to me, is a great thing. That's, that is hope, right, for continued growth for this promotion that started four years ago. Now they have two two-hour shows in primetime television on, on, you know, cable. Like, that is... That is unbelievable. And while they didn't get a TV deal yet, I'm sure they're going to get a pretty good one. If they're if the, if Warner Media is willing to give them two shows, you know they're going to get something good. Um, I hope come June 17th, CM Punk is on TV. I think some people have overreacted. I think some people have reacted accordingly. And I think I'll say it here: I think CM Punk is there June 17th. Yeah, I would be stunned if he's not, uh, just for all the reasons we've both outlined. He has the bug back. Like, that's, to me, as important as anything. He still has the wrestling bug back. I don't think he's going to give that up. Yeah, but I I definitely think that that's true. We'll have to see how long it lasts, and hopefully it ends better than the first go-around, uh, to say the least. But what you said is true about AEW, the company, heating up. I mean... There were some times before all this really ramped up that Dynamite wasn't so hot. You know, like there were some less than stellar shows that was not really resonating with anybody. I think the last two weeks has brought a lot of that around. And he even said it on Twitter, our cage match, our, our beloved cagematch.net, it was two of the highest rated Dynamites in the history of the company. He pointed it out on there. So I think that shows you that they're on a strong path right now. The business sense is there. And, and – what you said is so true, too, and I want to emphasize this point. This is a four-year-old company. To me, you can't just bury everything that happens in doubt in what Tony Khan has been able to do and put together when you keep that in mind and see what they have going on. Again, if everything blows up before then, or maybe things don't go so great for, for some reason or another, we don't know what. We, you know, that's something we'll have to wait and see that happens, and we'll address it firmly there. But by what we know right now, uh, I can't hate on this too much, and I'm with you. I think Punk will be there as well. So with that said, uh, we'll shelve Punk for now. Uh, gave us a lot to talk about, so I thought we handled that pretty well. But the next thing I'm going to ask you before we get to the shows themselves and we update the shows, because 
there's a thing we talked about that's a big piece of news on its own if this all wasn't going on, but I want to talk about it a little bit more in depth. Collision. We just said it. The show was announced Wednesday. I just wanted a couple of thoughts on the show before we get into Dynamite itself. Um, what do you think of just – like you, you kind of mentioned it too, that the debut of it, the logo and everything, very, very Nitro-inspired, and the old-school logo with the TNT and all of that, uh, very inspired. What did you think of the name, the logo, the time slot? Uh, how do you feel about all of that coming out of the gate? It gives the show an identity um, right out the gate. I think that's kind of important. I think having having a unique logo – because to me, like, Dynamite doesn't have a unique logo. It just says Dynamite. Um, Good truthfully, Like, that's a big difference. Collision has an identity, has a color scheme. Like, that is kind of how I feel looking at it, and I think that's great. Uh, the time slot, that's wait and see. Like, I, I believe it's not as bad as some people think. Like, it's still time time. Yeah. It's pretty much a pay-per-view time slot. Like, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting what happens around college football season and when NBA comes back and, you know, when hockey comes back, because those are all factors at the end of the day. I know hockey's not huge, but it's still something to take away from numbers. Um, so that's kind of what I'm waiting to see now, um, because I think Saturday can be good. I do. I do. Um But the the problem is, of course, that's also a night a lot of people go out. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but live show every single week, Saturday nights, at the worst, you record it, right? You watch it after, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting no matter what. I like everything about it right now. Um, it's really just wait and see mode. Absolutely. I totally agree with all of that. Because uh, that's a big issue, I think, with their shows, especially compared to WWE. WWE goes too far in their uh, aesthetics, so to speak, and how they just plaster things. But they clearly all have a brand identity to them just mm-hmm. by the logo and the name and everything. With Dynamite and Rampage, the difference is, well, on the title screens, one has lasers and the other has, has lightning, <laughs> you know, for yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but this, like you said, this one's a lot better, in my opinion, the collision, where it stands out right away. You know what you're seeing. I like to see maybe some different col- colored ropes. Uh, when it comes to the ring, I would love to see a nitro completely infused feeling to it. Yeah, I mean, I would maybe not the same exact stage because you know they have to have a big LED board and stuff like uh, that. Sure. But but uh, something unique would be nice. Bring back the Turnotrons of, <laughs> of, of, of nitro uh, there. Uh, maybe just have the logo like dead center on the mat, like kind of like the old nitro logo. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah, you know they could do some things. That's I'm totally with you. That's one of my biggest problems with Raw and SmackDown is that it's the same. You know, you used to, I remember the days where you had the fist on SmackDown and the Raw had the steel ironworks and and Dynamite had a, a decent look, but it's kind of just molded into another kind of similar you know stage yeah. like it's a, a wrestling lot, it's stage. a lot of it's a lot of screens. Yeah, and we don't need more screens, man. Take the page out of Nitro, do some different things, maybe do some things with the ring. You could have – I'd like to see that as well. They don't even do it for pay-per-views. 
odd. I missed that was one of the things that I think they should learn most from WCW. That was one of the parts that made WCW so cool. Again, I was like a, a small kid when this was going on, but when I saw Bash at the Beach and the Spring Break episodes and the Halloween Havoc with the big old pumpkins, I hmm. I thought that stuff was so cool. And now they don't even do that. And WWE had their own stuff for a little while, like you know maybe. You know, bad blood would have blood drops on on, on this. Episode yeah, all we get or... is WrestleMania now, which obviously WrestleMania looked phenomenal this year, um, with the big movie set. But I wish every pay per view had it. And AEW has no excuse; they only have five. Yeah, yeah good point. I hope they're getting back to that because we saw Backlash. I thought Backlash stage was amazing uh, in Puerto mm. Rico. So if you, they could get back to more international style events, we saw it with Castle too last year. Maybe they'll mm. do something with Money in the Bank. Hopefully see more of that. And like you said, AEW really has no excuse. They need to put it there all into making themselves better aesthetically because the product is didn't just ring. bring the poker chips back. Like, come on. That's all I'm asking for. The set of poker chips on the side. That was the – it's small, but it's something. No, I totally agree. You know, that that's something that's so easy to do, just design a unique set. Not everything needs to be one big screen. It's not even like – even then, like, two, you know – the SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 era, where you had these complicated titantrons that everybody had. Now it's literally just a name, you know, pretty much. Uh, you know, like a, a nameplate. They don't need it to be so big. Do some different stuff. Bring back the poker chips, man. We're not endorsing gambling, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Except for, yeah, I, I, they probably do on DraftKings because they have the sponsorship oh, deal. literally have a DraftKings sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bad point on my part, I guess. So they do heavily endorse gambling in AEW, and they need to, they need to lead into that more. But uh, the name, and I totally agree with you about the time slot, too. Uh, way overrated, in my opinion. People are talking about this like it's in the graveyard slot or something like that. Like it's coming out at 2 a.m. Like it's e- the original ECW, you know, or something like that. Well, they act like it's the Rampage slot. Like yeah, that's another Friday one. That's, the 10th. Yeah, that's way worse than Collision slot. I, I was going to make that same point because, look, it's not like Fridays or any – it's not like people don't go out on Fridays either. Like, that to me is a premium day when it comes to that sort of stuff. What right. you said about the college football is totally true. Uh, when that season comes around, I think that's going to take, you know, take a chunk out, to say the least. And there's no real, like, it's not like they're going to get moved for that specifically. TNT doesn't have a college football package, but they do have the hockey. They do have the basketball. Usually they're Tuesdays and Thursdays on the basketball. Uh, so unless it's a playoff game, I don't think that'll be a big factor either. Hockey may be a different story as well, but I think more than anything, just you could go out and, like you said, maybe DBR it, but I just don't see a big difference between Saturday and Friday when it comes to people going out. Both of those are equally premium days, and if you have interesting things going on on your show, which we're heating up with a lot of great things coming on, and and just everything, all the controversy and all of the the chaotic nature of everything is going to people to tune in at least at first. I mean – First episode of anything always gets a bump, right? So I think that that's always going to give them a, uh, props and a bonus. So to me, the time slot is really nothing to be worried about. One other thing I will ask you, and you mentioned this very briefly, so I want to get a kind of a extended conversation about it. What do you think of the idea of the brand split? Because this is another controversial subject. Some people are all in favor of it. Some people like it, and some people just – they just hate it. <laughs> like the idea of a brand split is like the worst thing in the world. What do you feel about the idea of this brand split for a collision of dynamite? People with WWE brain, I guess, or something. Maybe that's why they hate the brand split. Brand splits can be a good thing. 
like some people don't become as important as big of stars as they do without brand splits in WWE. It's just the truth. AJ Styles probably never wins the world title if there wasn't a brand split. That's the truth. You know, like, I think brand splits are great because it gives more people, if worked correctly, of course, it gives more people a chance to shine. That's how I've always felt about brand splits. Now, do we always have brand splits done correctly? No. And that's a problem I'll talk about in a little bit for Raw and SmackDown. Um, but if you do them correctly, then it's fine. If you have champions that go on each show, that's okay. But guess what? You have two mid-card titles, boom. You don't have to worry about it. Pretty much every other title can go back and forth. Um, you can put the TBS on one. I don't think you should have the world on one. I think they should go back and forth, obviously. But you can put that on one. Brand splits, if the if you use it correctly and you work with the roster of the brand, it's a good thing. It's a big question, though, of if. And I think that's my biggest issue with the brand split in WWE is that it's so easily broken. Because, again, when I was a kid, I thought the brand split was awesome, and I, I thought that it really helped set – it made it feel like there were two different – companies almost like even though they were two different shows if you could establish a big difference between the two like raw and smackdown back in the original brand split days i think you could have some really great things going on and it allows you to save big matches for even longer to the point where when star a on dynamite finally clashes with star b on collision it's been years of them never even appearing together and suddenly that adds all kinds of anticipation you know imagine if you know, again, the room. This is rumors. This, who knows if it's true or not? But let's just say that Punk is guaranteed on Collision, and that keeps the Elite away from him. Who's to say in two years all of the these scars are healed a little bit, and they're finally ready to work an angle together? Omega versus Punk. You know, Listen, if, if Punk's still working in this company six months down the road, and they don't ever run Kenny versus Punk, then. Like, come on, guys. It's pro wrestling. Come on. That's true. We just don't know how these feelings are, are going. I, I know, <laughs> but there's money to be made. There is, oh, yeah. like, at the end of the day, what's going to do the best for AEW? That. That, that is <laughs> yeah, the biggest is. match in the company. And there's a chance we don't get it because they don't like each other at the moment. Actually, we don't ever hear about Kenny. Maybe Kenny's fine. Um, the Young Bucks and Punk don't like each other. Uh, Maybe Hangman. Oh, Hangman, yeah. Well, Hangman, understandably, doesn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's and out. I also don't think that's as big of a match anymore. We've seen it. You know, we don't, I, don't, I don't need it. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's okay to keep them away from each other. Um, but, like, to me, if CM Punk's still working in this company, all good, all is good six months down the road, which, of course, is a big question mark. But yeah. if that is a thing, <laughs> come on, folks. Like, that's your biggest match, unquestionably. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We'll see how it plays out. But for the brand split... The biggest match in pro wrestling. It's not even the biggest match in AEW. It's the biggest match in pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. The, the hype behind it would be amazing, you know, online. And they could really lean into it, too, if they want to, if everybody's okay with it, you know, right. if all those egos are massaged. They can lean into stuff that really makes the elite fans hate punk and <laughs> punk Won't defenders... 
<laughs> that's true, but they can dig in even deeper if they want. And, and the, and the, the punk fans will be against Omega. You know, you could have that kind of, you know, special meeting, so to speak. But in terms of Brent's one, I think it's great for AEW. Look at this roster, man. There's over a hundred people on AEW right now. All of these guys aren't going to get TV time. This is my chance for Swerve to finally shine. So to yeah. me, it's a great decision. I will. I am going to spend every single episode of every show I do when I have to talk about Dynamite and Collision saying Swerve better be pushed until it happens because there's no reason that one of the best guys in the company isn't getting pushed. Oh, totally agree. Like he's right at the top of my list. Um, Miro, I shouted out. I had to give you that two piece for Bojangles last week when you're yeah, trying you to talk about Miro. You got your Miro. <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, got him back. I didn't even talk about it. Andrade's back. How, how are we not celebrating Andrade? I love that Andrade's back. Oh yeah, he he is the man. I've been following his career forever. I, I'm a big fan of Andrade. So and he was back to like being full on Andrade before he got hurt. So yeah. I'm really happy. Or he hurt and suspended. And you get second chances for these guys like this uh, after everything that happened to where they could go in, maybe have a better mindset, better environment, maybe more of a push. Uh, Miro did have a good run with the title, which I really loved, uh, the TNT title. Uh, hopefully they can get back to somewhere like that. Andrade deserves a little bit more. Uh, Roosh is going to be on this show because Andrade is, which means yeah. I'm going to need our Roosh title run. Thank yeah. you. Yes, well, we'll talk about Roosh on the show, because I, I got some things to say about that brother right now. But yes, he is, like, at the very, very top of my list of people. It's like, it's like him and Swerve that should just be, like, top heels. Yeah. Now. See, we're following the same playbook, Scott. I'm totally... Yeah, we should you. probably get to Dynamite, huh? Yeah, that's true. It was fun <laughs> to talk about this play. We'll I talk about CM here. Punk for almost an hour. Well, not even just Punk, but just the brand split. I, I have so I many fantasy... To me, I collision think. equals Punk. Uh, okay, <laughs> we know we know who the main event is in, in Scott's mind, and uh, who can blame him? You know, the network probably agrees. Well, uh, if, if reports are, re- are to be true, he would have been the first main event. Yes, so and maybe he still will. We'll have to see what happens. I think he still will. Yeah, me too. I I, I fully expect him to be there. But uh, looking forward to Collision anyway. I think they're on a good pro. You know, they have a lot of guys that can shine. I want to see people. Nobody, no more pushes where somebody does a great thing and then disappears for six months or three months. That would and, be nice. And, uh, you know, hopefully Emi Sakura gets a home. That's what we need most on this show. Put her on TV, Tony. Please. Mm. I praised you earlier. You got to do me a solid. You love cage match, man. Come on. But uh, let's get to dynamite. Uh, we we could get through and basically how I set things out this week. I did a probably a better job formatting than I did last week, where we kind of talked about everything. Uh, I have a few things, and we'll get to the cage match ratings of the matches, and we'll kind of give brief thoughts on the ratings and things like that. So. Yeah, we'll we'll be a little bit quicker TV wise because we just you know had a great conversation about exactly what we expected to have a great conversation about. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time, Scott, and I appreciate your time with this. So let's get to the main thing. we got we got to start to me, and maybe we'll disagree on this, but if you ask me, the main storyline, the main event of the show, regardless of who's going on last, is the, the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite. There was a show-long thread with the Blackpool Combat Club. And that's one thing I really liked about this week's episode. There were two storylines, the two main ones, that basically took up a large chunk of the show, had multiple segments dedicated to them, and everyone kind of got more over through it. But they started off with uh, the Bucks 
arriving to the building in the parking lot. BCC beat him down. And it all set up to the main event of the show was Don Callis basically following up last week's big angle where he turned on Omega. He talked for a bit, basically said that Omega's not the victim I am. Omega came out, but then the, the BCC beat the hell out of him, too. Then the Bucks came out, and then Hangman Page's music hit, and he comes out with an eye patch, took the broom. Everyone was going crazy, huge pop. Uh, everyone beat up Yuta, and then Page cut an epic promo declaring them the elite. And at Double or Nothing, it's anarchy in the arena. Bully again, one of the best segments of the year, great pop, and the kind of thing. We talked about it before with Punk kind of rallying his fan base and knowing what to do to get his fans happy with him. This is the kind of stuff elite fans love, like with the standing. We saw that meme where he was standing in front of all three of them again. Uh, I I thought this this segment and this whole feud feels mega hot right now. I thought they did an excellent job with it. Double or Nothing is a show where the World Heavyweight Champion, the the AEW World Championship hasn't main evented multiple times. That should continue to be the trend this year. <laughs> uh, there is nothing hotter in AEW than the Elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club. That is your top feud. That is your top story, undeniably. And this was the perfect exclamation point. For this story. Um, I love Hangman. I love Kenny. Seeing them back on the same side obviously is very exciting. This is one of the biggest matches in AEW's history. I feel like I could say that once a pay-per-view, truthfully, at this point. Yeah. Um, But this truly is. It is, you know, your two top guys for four years, essentially, right, with Moxley and Kenny, plus the 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 guy that AEW has made in Hangman, plus the top tag team, plus you know one of the top free agent signings in Danielson, plus Yuta and Claudia, who obviously have just been fantastic, um, all in one match in Anarchy in the arena. I don't know how this doesn't main event because no matter what follows this, it ain't topping it. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. And I like the double or nothing card, but it's not happening. It's just not happening, my friend. So, like, this is your main event. This was the main event of Dynamite for a reason, in my opinion. Just go with it. Just go with it in your main event. Phenomenal segment. Phenomenal way to close the show. Like I said, Dynamite, AEW, red hot right now. And it's a lot to do with this story. And to me, as a story... This has been the one thing that's carried them through some tough times. Yep. You know, you know, you look at their show and not a lot was connecting for a while to the last couple of weeks. And you see something like this and you're like, every step of the way has been so good. Like that's a complete storyline. And I don't think this is the end of the line either at Double or Nothing. That's worth mentioning too. I think no, this will chance. continue. Yeah. And, and I love all of the intricacies of it. I thought the ending segment was so damn good. That was the best thing to me on any show. Like was the ending segment where a page finally came out. Uh, the promo at the end, it was great. Uh, I loved it. I got two questions for you here, Scott, before we move on to the next thing, because we, it's obvious we're both huge fans of this whole deal. I totally agree. It should be the main event. Everybody involved has been great. All of the combat club have been great. Yuda, Claudio, Brian, uh, Moxley, all of them. My questions for you are, Will we ever get that explanation from Callus? Because that kind of, he basically disappeared when after the Combat Club beat down Kenny, 
he just we basically forgot about all of that. Are we ever going to get that explanation, or is this just going to be like, all right? It would be bad if we never got anything from him. Um, just as a person who likes story finishing and completing and making sense, I feel like we're going to have to hear from him eventually, one way or the other. Um, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe they hold it off until double after double or nothing, right? Uh, I, I, you know, I've I've talked with some people. Like, where does Don Callis go? There's a match that's being built for Forbidden Door unofficially that could have Don Callis end up. Of course, that is what I'm hinting at here is the United Empire. And he's teased it himself on Twitter with the bro. He has. So maybe that's where it goes. And that would make sense if you held off now until after Double or Nothing. Um, and then you kick that into gear, right? Kyle Fletcher, of course, is on the upcoming Dynamite as well. Yep. So maybe they could just do it that way as well. Um, but I think United Empire is obviously a good spot for him, um, especially if they're going to keep being part of AEW television moving forward. Um, it's kind of weird if they're not, <laughs> but I think they are. I think I think it's pretty clear at this point that Will Ospreay, if, if and when possible, is going to be part of AEW television a lot, especially this upcoming summer. So it would make sense to me. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, that's exactly where he fits in. I don't think he should go to the combat club. I don't think he fits there. No, no, no. They yeah. should stay as the four. Yeah, exactly. Totally. If agree. anything, add like a woman. That maybe, would be cool. Maybe after the elite story though, because like yeah. the elite's not adding a woman anytime soon. Unless it's like. No one. Maybe Sakura. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Or Rio <laughs> would make sense too. Obviously. Oh yeah, Rio, that'd be cool. Uh, I was actually going to ask you about that. that. Was my other question? Do you think if they wanted to stretch this out with Forbidden Door, it's a little awkward because, like you said, Omega versus Osprey is where that's going to head uh, come to a head at clearly. So, if they continue the story, do you think they could? Because we kind of teased it a little bit last week. Could they do something with blood and guts? Because you still had the Takeshita thing dangling. You know, a lot of people, you know, the rumors about Ibushi are still hot and heavy. He's coming. It's, you know, Takeshita still plays into this, too. So that's why I think it really, we don't really have an answer until we're going towards blood and guts at this point. That's exactly what I was thinking. And I think that's going to be the end all be all. I have a little bit of fantasy booking for you, though, Scott. I want you to listen to it real quick before we move on here. Tell me what you think of this idea. Because I think we talked about it a bit last week where maybe Takeshita would turn and join combat club and then Ibushi would be the fifth man for uh, the elite which would be great a great moment in and of itself but again what if they did a thing where perhaps Ibushi would come in as the savior of the elite but then they held it off and he turned against Omega and that's he, always a possibility because I think and I, I, I said my problems last week I think Takeshita as a heel is no bueno that goes against all of his strengths. I think Ibushi, yeah. we've seen him on Twitter. <laughs> we've seen him at the times in the past in New Japan. I think oh, he's, he's a heel got, right now in my head. He's, he's got a heel edge to him that I don't think Takeshita is quite as good at. Mm. And that could be a whole other. We talked about Punk and Omega maybe six months down the line. To me, Omega and Ibushi reuniting, kind of what they did with New Japan. I mean, that took years to play out. And then finally reuniting it made an unforgettable moment. If they just do it right away, I feel like they leave something on the table for Golden Lovers finally reuniting. The melodrama of it all, I think, is a bigger draw than them 
like and then what happens after. I think stretch it out. And I also think a turn from Ibushi on Omega is much more logical than to catch that because he has a like if you look at their angles, their story, he can easily realistically blame Omega and put you know even if it's not necessarily right. It's much more reasonable to me than Takeshita, who has no reason to turn on o- Omega whatsoever. That's just Omega. my fantasy working. Omega versus Ibushi. Yeah. At All In has a ring to it. That's exactly what I was Cause thinking. Because think, I've seen some people say Omega and Osprey there, and I'm like, they're doing it at Forbidden Door. Yeah. Why would you do it at all? Also, why would you do it with a guy that's not contracted to your roster? Um, why would you put him in the main event? I think that's a discussion for another day. I think Kota Ibushi, if he were to show up, would be contracted in one way or the other. Um, so, yeah, I think I like I like your pitch, and I think it would make a lot of sense. I think it would sadden a lot of people, but... Um, I think Takeshita is a better babyface. That's why I never really liked the idea of him being heel because it's like yeah. he's naturally gotten over. Why would you? Why would you turn him heel? That's uh, not. Yeah, that'd be like that. It wouldn't make any sense. So yeah, I, I'm with it. I'm with it. Okay, I, thank you. I'm glad you justified my thinking because it would send people, but ultimately lead to them reuniting later, which would right. maybe be even better. So, uh, TK, if you're listening, please uh, hear me out. Uh, you know, hopefully everybody thinks that it's something I want to throw out there. But one thing's for sure: that storyline is way hotter than the title <laughs> match at, at the Double or Nothing. I will say this though: this was another one where they had a show long thread. Every challenger got a win in a different way. Uh, Darby had the tag match with Orange Cassidy where he won. Uh, Sammy got the squash win over Exodus Prime, which is <laughs> quite a name. I uh, give it up to Ex- my boy Exodus right now. That's uh, great. Yeah. And uh, Jungle Boy had a match where Roosh looked like 20 times better than he <laughs> did. And, and he yeah, had to let's win. talk about that. I'm yeah. That yeah. Um, that's all I really have in terms of takes. Yeah, for this show. Um, but Roosh absolutely made Jungle Boy look like his, you know what? Uh, um, which I, I don't know. To me, I think I knew what they were trying to do. They were trying to make Jungle Boy like look tough, right? Kind of surviving, but yeah, yeah, I don't really think he came off well out of it. I just don't. No, um, I don't. and I think Roosh came out the bigger accomplished guy, which, hey, that's okay for me. I love Rush. Um But that obviously wasn't the goal. So, yeah, that was a weird move to have a championship challenger get bullied. Now, what if Jungle Boy could be switching it up character-wise soon? Because maybe that's the only way this makes sense to me. Otherwise... You just had a championship challenger get his ass bullied. <laughs> that's that's what happened prior to his big title match. Um, so that's my only thing. Like maybe think about think about it this way. It's like Christian Cage was involved in that hype video for Jungle Boy, right? Yep, he, that's true. He was he was all positive and stuff like that. And I don't know. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. That's the only way I feel like you could save this. Um, Jungle Boy's not winning the title, so, like, I'm not really worried, but I'm worried for Jungle Boy. Yeah. Like, what is he supposed to do after this? Maybe it's get a little dirty. Because 
He's out of the three. He has the more heelish promos than Sammy Guevara at this point. Oh yeah, definitely. I think this whole build up, this show was about turning Sammy, like because he came in for the big save, the triumphant save at the end. You know, shook hands with Darby. Everybody has respect. You know, in his home state or whatever. Obviously, he cut that totally. The problem with this storyline, or one of my biggest issues, was that stupid run they had where he he was like in MJF's pocket. I think tonight would have gotten a lot better better reaction if they hadn't done all that stupid stuff a few yeah. weeks ago, because uh, he, his promos are good. Like I, I liked the, so I actually liked them like working together to keep each other. Okay. I thought that was good. Actually. I, I was a fan of that, but like you said, everything else just didn't click necessarily. Like, especially with the VAR promo. Cause it's like, yeah, but I thought, I thought you were a heel. Why, why, why would we cheer for you? Yeah. Right. I know some heels get cheered in their hometown, but Sammy Guevara has been presented as like a prick his entire time. Yeah. Why? Why should? I? And like he was gonna take money from MJF. Yeah. That I hated that. I thought that was such a bad look. And like I said, I think his promo tonight or the show was really good. They gave him the triumphant thing at the end. It was all good. MJF slapped the mic away from. I like that. That that was great. I mean. What a great performer MJF is. Just that little thing got such an emotional. It felt like real how he did it. It was so good. I uh, got mad at him. I was like, you respect Renee, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I was just in shock a little bit. I was like, whoa, that, that was a little spicy <laughs> that you yeah. did there. It seemed like a – I think I saw that wasn't actually supposed to happen. I was like, oh, you brilliant bastard. Ah, that was so good. <laughs> that man – Great stuff there. Um, totally. Roosh, to me, that was the biggest crime of all of this, is that he isn't in the title picture because that man is a star player. I got no doubt that he should be a main eventer. He's got the look. The I'd have him demolish Orange Cassidy. I love that, that idea. Title. I'd have him absolutely destroy that man, win the title, and that's who you give it to. Just destroy everybody in that battle royal. He should just come in number one. And oh, don't get me started with the battle royal. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. We, we weren't really going to talk about that. But uh, the, the problem is Roosh is great. Uh, Jungle Boy, he's the one that showed the least amount of mic work skills of, of everybody involved in this whole thing. And it's made him kind of go down. Remember when they announced this match and all the talk on Twitter was like, man, this sucks. Roosh is going to lose to Jungle Boy. And I was feeling that same way. I was just like the yeah. people. Uh, so I like that they kind of kept Roosh strong, but I hopefully they do something with him other than that. But uh, I think that the last two weeks have been big steps forward from what they were doing before. Uh, remember that one week where they all three came out and they cut these whiny promos and it was like, oh, this was awful, uh, you know, going in there. And, and this, I think, was a big step forward. We'll see how they wrap it up next, next Wednesday, so to speak. But. Uh, there's a lot to be desired, but I still think they're heading in a good direction. At least there were some good things done. If they could come in with a hot angle somehow at the end of this, they might be able to save it. But as a match, I think the match is going to be fantastic. These guys are all talented in the ring. Yeah. Even you know, Jungle Boy's way <laughs> this better. is the one thing they're all good at. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. So I think that you're right on that. One thing that I really loved on the show, I, I particularly wanted to spot like this before we get to the WWE stuff. Strong in Jericho. Oh yeah, what a match! Oh, yeah. This was this is one of the best AEW television matches of the year. One of the best AEW matches of the year. Um, 
I, I say television as if like this has been like to me already the best year of AEW TV wrestling wise, like in ring. Like I feel like I've seen multiple like all timers on AEW television, right? The Danielson Roosh match obviously stands out for a lot of people. Kenny yeah. and Vikingo. Um what else? What else? What else? Off the top of my head. Uh okay, last week with Omega and Moxley. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. So like add this to that. This was this was the best version of Jericho, right? Yep. Um and Roger Strong hasn't missed a freaking day. Like, yeah, he was in WWE for a long time. He never changed. He's always been Roddy. Roddy, I, I watched this and I was like, give Roddy a title. Give him the Orange Cassidy run. Give him everything. I want more Roderick Strong as soon as possible. Give me him and Danielson. Give me him and everyone on this roster. Make him Ring of Honor world champion. I was ready to crown this man right then and there. And I love that he won. That was like the best flavor of the night. That he actually beat Jericho, who's in the big feud, because of Adam Cole. This feud is its not as good as the elite Blackpool Combat Club feud, but it's just the level below, man. You talked about it last week. You liked it. I'm right there with you. I think they've done a great job for Adam Cole's return feud. Adam Cole's your essentially your new top babyface, it feels like. It feels like we're building to MJF and Adam Cole, doesn't it? Yeah, we had heard the rumor that that could have been something they teased, but they mixed it at, at the end uh, with Britt maybe saying that he could, you know, he might be the next challenger. Um, this whole thing was awesome. I mean, listen, any match where you're eating ice cream in the middle of it is an automatic. That was thing. awesome. Yeah. I was like, oh my god! Especially when he just scooped it. it in. Yeah, when he scooped his whole hand into the the, the ice cream, he just ate it himself. He shoved, first of all, he shoved it in Jericho's face, and then he reached in again just so he get his own taste of ice cream. You had the mob of people following him around uh, as this they. Is how you do false count anywhere, by the way? Oh, totally. Every match like this should learn from this. There's also and, like anarchy in the arena. That's what I thought I was watching. Yeah, and what a great way to hype this up. You know, like have, hype that match up rather with a match like this. The ending I thought was so perfect mm. where they went outside and that led to Cole get, like getting his revenge, breaking the uh, <laughs> the stupid lawsuit or whatever, uh, the law order that Jericho had. Uh, you know, yeah, because they went outside. Yeah, exactly. They said he wouldn't be in the building, so he's not in the building. Yeah, and that and that led to Strong getting the win. They hugged afterwards. His end of heartache was playing. This yeah, is my awesome. this is my wrestling right here. Like, I, this is what I want to see. I'm a huge Adam Cole fan. I don't know if many people know that. Like, I I have always been an Adam Cole fan. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of Adam Cole outside of the ring as much as I am in the ring. Like, I yeah. watched his you know. Um, up, up, down, down stuff. Like, I watch his Uno stuff with the party and stuff like that. Love him. Um, but he's now in his element, it feels like. Being a babyface and not having to just do the Undisputed Era stuff all the time, he finally feels fresh and like a new version of himself in AEW. And I'm really excited about the match with Jericho because... One, I wouldn't even be upset if he lost. That being said, I don't want this feud to go longer than double or nothing. But we saw that's what the, with that Rick. is the Jericho feud problem. 
Yeah, yeah. So Adam Cole needs to win. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. As a person, I really have a lot of respect for him. Uh, the promo he cut when he returned about the concussion spoke to me. I mean, my... my I, was, I was in the building when he won the NXT Championship, so that's my claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I wasn't there, but I just watching it, I, I have very severe concussion issues myself, to be mm-hmm. honest. So what he was saying is stuff yeah. that I experienced myself, and I was, like, getting kind of emotional. I don't usually do that with wrestling ever. Uh, and, like, that promo was, like, one of the best segments. in I died a great history. promo. That's yeah, and... That's one thing he's always been. And I totally agree with you. He's so much better as a babyface than if he was just doing the, t- the cliched, you know, undisputed era stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's such a likable guy. That's the thing. Like, he is such a likable guy outside of wrestling that it's crazy to me how good of a heel he usually is. But he needs to be this good guy for a good amount of time because he hasn't really gotten that chance in years. Yeah, and I and I totally agree. I think he's done some of his best work lately. I wasn't really a fan of his at all by the end, just as a performer. But since sure. he's come, since he's come back, I I've really been impressed. And Roderick is just an amazing. Like he to me is one of the best wrestlers. Like in, yeah. really in ring, uh, he's a guy like I said it last week. Total game changer signing for the wrestling side. Uh, and this he, win, I mean, this gives me hope for his push here that they actually gave him a win right away. Even the discussion of Omega Danielson for me yeah. in ring wise. Yeah, to- totally agree with that. But uh, I love this match, and we both did. I'm glad to hear it. So that was fun stuff. Uh, one more thing before we move on. Uh, we'll blow through this quickly. You Not said that was the last thing. Yeah, yeah, well, I forgot to mention <laughs> the very How dare me forget the best part of the show. Well, not really the best part, but one of the best parts of the show. Hikaru Shida being super over <laughs> in here. Uh, yes. uh, that was a good woman's match. Yeah, the women's match was good, and they kind of told a very simple story with Tony Storm getting another win, and that set up them going at it for oh, the title uh, on the paper. God. Yeah, you know, haters' title reign has been kind of a dud due to booking, but hopefully they can have a good that match. In terms of not getting matches, the actual matches have all been good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like I said, this match was another one, but Sheeta looked like a big star. I feel like they need oh, to she find- is a big star. But yeah, she's like one of my favorites on the whole roster anyway. She's just too great, too big of a star. And damn, look at that hair she had, man. That was a great look that she had going on. What stylist did she go to uh, there? I, I'm a huge mark for big hair, or for uh, great hair, so to speak. Uh, so. I'm going to guess whoever's in the back. Well, whoever it is, shout out to you. Cause <laughs> that was great stuff. But uh, yeah, so great episode of Dynamite. Uh, has 8.93 rating on Cage Match. Uh, one of the best, as was said. One of my favorites of the year. Maybe my favorite of the year. Yeah, I just felt that like it was the most complete show. Like the opener was a lot of fun too. Uh, Cassie and Darby versus Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. I thought that was a lot of fun. Like everything hit. Yeah, me too. Very well booked show. Great segments. Great uh, matches as well. Uh, that tag match you mentioned had seven point oh eight rating. Uh, the women's match had six point five eight. Strong. A and, yeah, a little low on that. Strong and Jericho eight point four eight. Uh, I love that match a lot. Uh, Jack and Roosh had 7.51, and the main event, Jay White and Ricky Starks, uh, 7.17. I might swap the women's match and that match to me. Uh, Yeah, so Jay White and Ricky Starks, uh, I'll talk about that real quick. I thought they had good work. Um, I just didn't like the finish. Yeah, it was kind of good. I'm not a big fan of the baby face getting DQ'd. Um, 
That being said, Jay White needs to win this feud, in my opinion. I, I just, I don't know. I think the Ricky steam is wearing off. I think Jay has negative steam <laughs> to, to me. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm not enamored with anything they're doing. To me, he's a guy that the only way he succeeds can succeed because you just talked about some of the top guys, Roderick, Brian, Omega. He's nowhere near those guys in the ring. He's going to have to do it on promos, and they haven't given him a chance for that. I mean, we saw this match. This match was totally average. Uh, like, you know, this, and the best part was when the fans fired up for Ricky at the end after he hit the spear. And like you said, unfortunately, that led to a really dumb finish. I, the- I think he's more of a complete player than majority of the roster, truthfully, because of his promo ability. Um, but he hasn't been presented as anything important yet yeah and that that's a great point too that's the problem i think we'll get there obviously it's just a matter of waiting right I think this was my concern with him and maybe this we talked about it at the start to kind of bring it full circle maybe he's a guy if this brand split happens where things are you know there's more spots open at a show or not yeah. he might be a guy that benefits <laughs> from it to me he's just the better version of mjf i just i've think- always thought that I've never been – I hated his run in New Japan. I thought he was so bad in, in so many wow. ways, way overrated in, in my opinion. I thought his run in Impact was a little bit better where he was more – you know, it was more set to his strengths with him cutting promos and things like that. The stuff in Japan just didn't work for me at all, and so far his AEW run hasn't hasn't made me feel like I was wrong on him. Uh, he hasn't done anything to prove me wrong, that he deserves a better spot, in my opinion, uh, than the one they've got. So he needs to step his game up, too, but they also need to give him an opportunity on the mic. To, I, was say, I don't think they're really giving him a chance to step up any game. He's, he's, he's only facing Ricky, who, I don't know, has lost every little bit of steam that he might have had, maybe. But he lost a lot of his steam in the Jericho, Jericho feud. Yeah, and that's a fair point. That's a fair point. We'll have to see what comes with him. Maybe like, I would have paired him with Cassidy or like someone that's very over for a babyface just because it would have made him come off quicker. Like his his first his debut was beating up Ricky Starks. I really think that's less of a problem than this Bullet Club revival arc. Like, this feels like a mid- You leave Bang Bang Gang alone. <laughs> this feels like a mid-card uh, group with him and Juice uh, together. You leave I- Bang Bang Gang okay. alone. I feel like you're coming at me with a two-piece now. You got that, what'd you say, yeah. what, Dave's Chicken? Yeah, Dave's Hot Chicken. Uh, I'm going to... I'm gonna throw something at you. You, <laughs> you leave him alone. Okay, I'll, I will not say anything more. I'll just say I hope to see him cut some promos and uh, prove me wrong uh, on there. So let, let's let's get it together, Switchblade, on here and Tony Khan if you want to book him. But instead, push Roosh more actually, <laughs> if, if anything else. But uh, anyway, Dynamite was great uh, overall, even with some stuff that I I did uh, love. I will say, there are more people I would push over Jay White right now, mostly because they've just been with the company longer. Um, and that, Swerve and yeah. Roosh. And that's kind of the thing I was saying. Like, the roster's so bloated that it's so hard to stand out, even if you're a great performer sometimes. You have mm, to get the opportunities. But let's move on. We will go through the weekly shows on WWE and kind of round it all together with what's going to happen. Uh, this Saturday, we'll be back with a complete... Uh, coverage of the Night of Champions show. Uh, next week's going to be a really good just one, one-off show for us, so uh, everybody stay tuned to that. 
Uh, we'll go through things as I noted them down, similar to, to AEW a little bit. Uh, not the most noteworthy shows, but they did do some stuff, and I will go, go through them here. We'll briefly touch on them. On Raw, the main angle was clearly about putting over Gunther and Imperium. They were all over the show. Uh, Kaiser gave Gunther a great introduction, and Gunther cut a straightforward promo about how nobody's earned a shot at the title nor his respect, but now they have a chance to do both. That led to this battle royal that had everybody on it, plus some random guys like Zion Quinn uh, was in there. But it, it all came down to Bronson Reed, Rick Shane, Ali. Ali won. Fireworks display for the upset win, and well-deserved, because to me, I think he's one of Raw's best talents. Uh, they had a promo segment backstage where they shook each other's hand, but they both said they were going to win. And that set up the title match at uh, the Night of Champions. So what do you think of Ali getting the, the title shot here? Uh, I just My only hope for it really is that I just hope they have a chance to have a real match because it could be bananas if they get a shot. <laughs> Gunther's going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, hey, everybody watching. I watched this with my grandma and my great-grandpa, Mama and Ken. <laughs> and immediately when that segment happened backstage, Ken said, he's going to beat your ass, boy. He I is going to bash and destroy Mustafa Ali. That being said, if they give him any time, it should be a really good match. It really should. And I'm happy that he got his chance. Very random choice, but I, I'm happy. <laughs> like, I, I'm happy for whatever chance. Again, Ali. I'll say it. Night of Champions looks like a great show. Yeah, yeah the, match, the matches we have announced and what we think is going to get announced. I mean, this looks like a really strong show uh, that they're putting some good effort into. And if this gets time, I mean,. There's a chance it does. I'm not going to completely – maybe I'm just delusional optimist right now. But I think if they just get eight to ten minutes, that mm. could be kind of a banger. Yeah, if you can make people believe Mustafa Lee has a chance, yeah, that's, that's enough. Big, yeah, that's, exactly. Just give him one big near fall. Maybe he hits the 450, uh, which is uh, an amazing move, the best move in all of wrestling. Sadly <laughs> teased him and Riddle somewhere down the line. I was like, if Riddle's the guy to beat Gunther – I'm coming for you, Triple H. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Riddles. It'll be a good match. I think I've seen it before. And I think that happened on the Indies. I can believe it. Was Riddle ever... Let me check the handy-dandy cage match. Uh, yes, it has all of our answers to all of our problems. Yeah, let me, let me, let me take a... Let me, let me take a look-ski. Okay. Um... Uh... uh, uh no. <laughs> no match, never in WXW. Okay. Not with it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. In progress. They have, it's rated 9.04. 94 rated, uh, 94 votes from Ooh. 2017. 9.04 between Matt Riddle and Walter. Chapter 51. I have seen this. See? I, I feel like it. I must have seen that too. Uh, it's only 11 minutes and 38 seconds, and it was a banger. I remember this. I actually watched it last year. Maybe we will get that again. Although I, I, I still hope Ali. I'm, I know I'm delusional, but Ali is the man to me. I love his promos, his work, everything. Uh, give, well, give, he's positively Ali right now, so yeah, he's getting bashed. You're probably right. Although, and I did make me sad when he called Alpha Academy losers uh, on there. So uh, <laughs> um, maybe he'll deserve it. But regardless, big Ali supporter here, Mustafa fan right now, respector. Other big thing on the show was Seth Rollins having sit-down interviews all throughout the show. Much like I said on Dynamite, I like that they have this, like, 
line throughout the show of building stuff. Mm. I thought this was a great thing. They talked about his career, the big shield turn, all of his gimmicks, and how he's finally found himself as the best version of himself, thanks to the fans. And they closed it out with a cliffhanger, asking what he thinks about Roman as champion, which will be revealed next week. Basically, this was just to, to build the match while he's busy filming stuff for Captain America. Yeah, he's part of the New World Order. Crazy. Um, <laughs> the, the, the new NWO. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Seth freaking Rollins is having the run of his life. I said that last week, and I'll say it again. I thought his promo work here was great, talking about his career and why, you know, this is this is his moment. It really is. It's his moment to become the workhorse champion um, that I think this company desperately needs. Yeah, everything- he is Triple H's guy. And it's time for him to show why. Everything you said was good, I thought. And to me, much more effective than AJ's segment on SmackDown. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I would say. said, AJ has no shot, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you could tell with how much effort they put into it, or lack thereof. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, as I, as, as I said when we talked about this last week, anyone besides Seth Rollins wins this title, then it's a crime. Yeah, and I, they definitely have let us. He is a revolutionary. Sorry, I was going to do the whole thing. I'm oh, sorry. go on. Go, go for it, man. You are a big fan, my friend, and I appreciate that. And I know Seth appreciates it. I've been a Seth Rollins fan for pretty much since he was in NXT. Yeah, so, so, like, I root for this guy all the time, and you know he he hit a he hit a point a few years ago where no one liked him. Like a lot of people were against him, no one liked him. He was kind of like the CM Punk of the wrestling community for a little while there, because <laughs> uh, like he you know he did the he attacked Osprey with the well I have more money than you pal and stuff like that and his his on TV stuff like when he was champion was getting bad with the fiend and whatnot. Oh, uh, yeah, that was... That he was. He was in the stinker for a while there. So I had to go in, like, hiding as a Seth Rollins fan. But now that he is a revolutionary and uh, on top of his game, I feel like I could celebrate uh, a little bit more. I think he's been due for another world title, and this is the time. This is the time. Also, by the way, the World Heavyweight Championship, it's grown on me a little bit. I like the title. Like design was, I, I love the it, when it originally popped up. I was like, did they just did they just slap a logo in the middle of the big gold? And as the weeks have gone on, I'm like, I like. It. I think it definitely looks better on the show than like in pictures. Like, because if yeah, you just see totally. it in a picture, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like it. Uh, I love the nod to big gold, and I think it looks a lot better than like the normal titles they have. Like it's just WWE on it. This at least feels a little bit like they put a lot more effort into it. So uh, I'm, I'm into the title, uh, personally. I think it looks very nice. Can uh, we agree that he is a revolutionary? I refuse to agree on the basis that he is a visionary, a revolutionary. Nice. Very nice. Yes, exactly. I, you got to get nice. both of them in there. <laughs> See, he is I, a visionary, a revolutionary. Sorry. <laughs> See, I, I, so. Whoa. Oh, oh, right. okay. right. we, we have a lot to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're nearly on this <laughs> anyway, but it's okay. Um, the other thing I'll mention too on Raw, uh, KO and Sammy, they're feuding with all kinds of people, it seems like at the time. Basically, all. I like the kind of storytelling they did where Roman is pulling strings to get everybody against KO and Sammy. Basically, they showed Gunther shaking Heyman's hand backstage, and then Heyman came out in the Judgment Day match, 
<laughs> they all helped to cost them the match and let Finn Balor and Damian Priest get the win uh, in the tag match. So that kind of sets up a new feud for them. I think they're as good a choice as any, and they did some good storytelling on both Raw and SmackDown to make it seem like maybe KO and Samuel retain the titles, which I didn't think anyway. I think most people kind of maybe thought something would happen. The Usos would screw up somehow. But uh, Sammy cut a great fiery promo at the start, saying he can't have the tag titles, and they never thought they'd get revenge. I thought it was a good segment for KO and Sammy, a good hype. Roman Reigns with four belts would be hilarious. That would be very interesting. Just at least if that happened. So many people would be so pissed if that happened. They're already mad because of WrestleMania. You're almost almost tempting me for him to do it. You're almost tempting me that I want that to happen. You you want to watch the world burn. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. By by the way, but the way this bloodline story, I'm going to skip this back down on my own here. Yeah, yeah, go um, The way they're building the story, if Jey Uso isn't being Roman, then what the hell are we doing? <laughs> like, I understand Cody's still kind of in that spot, but oh my god, like they make you feel bad for Jey Uso specifically more and more and more and more and more and more each week, and it's like how. How is he? How is he not going to be the guy to pull this off? And maybe the Usos beating Roman and Solo Sokoa at like SummerSlam or Money in the Bank or whatever is enough for people. For me, it's not though at all. Like I don't know. That's not the payoff. I really came away kind of jumping into SmackDown a little bit. Um, I like the raw build to the the tag titles match. I like the SmackDown build, but I came away thinking Solo might be that guy because remember the part where Roman kind yeah. of against them? It and wouldn't it, feel as satisfying, though. Well, he doesn't have the history that Jay does. Right. Because Roman has basically gaslighted this guy for three years now at this point. Exactly. Yeah, so that would be a much more satisfying storyline playoff, but I did love that they put so much on Solo it made him seem like a badass that even Roman kind of fears secretly. Yeah, I just need him to be a better worker. Uh, be a world champion. That's true. We've yet to see him. I think that what he's done, the opportunities that he's got, he's delivered on pretty much all of them. I mean, I saw this man. the makings for sure. I saw this man have a good brawl with Boa in NXT. Yeah, I actually like some of the NXT stuff. I remember people were more sour on him then than they were now. Um, I just. He definitely has it. It's just I wouldn't make him world champion anytime soon. Um, no, I think you give him. Maybe you just have him destroy Austin. Actually, no. Sheamus is facing Austin Theory. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sheamus should beat Austin Theory uh, because I love Sheamus. But I don't. I don't know. I think the Solo Sokoa story is definitely interesting. It feels like Solo Sokoa will beat Roman after Roman drops the belts. I think that's the best idea. And then Roman will take time off. I think that's where we're going. I think that's very logical. And I like the little seed they planted here because this is the first time. That was really good. (laughs) Yeah, like this is the first time Roman showed, like, not – because he bounced back right away. And like you said, like not buried, but like yelled at Jay and Jimmy. was like, I'm the quarterback. (laughs) Like here. Uh, Mm. I thought it was a really good, like, heel promo that he had. Uh, Roman's really good. That's all I have to say. Like, he's really good at what he does. Oh, the, blood, the only time the Bloodline story works is when he's there. Yep. I totally agree. And the most important part was that it led to the LWO getting the win in the main event. Huzzah! Uh, yeah, they deserve it so much. And that was, like, a really good match. Hot too. crowd for them. Yeah. 
always over. Like every time they come out, the crowd loves them. Uh, we love to see uh, Escobar get the pin too. Very talented brother there. Uh, other stuff for back. Yeah, we need we need Bad Bunny. We need Carlito back. As I predicted on the first episode, Carlito for Universal Champion. I will oh, not. Yeah. That was a bold one. I will never let it die. But some other stuff to me. Just straight up, SmackDown to me was such a boring show. I actually liked Raw even better, like a little bit. Uh, I thought it was everything they did was fine, but so basic. Uh, for example, Asuka beat up Zelina in their match, and then Bianca ran in for the save, and then Asuka slinked away. She I mean, sure did. A totally basic segment doesn't pay homage to Asuka's character at all. Who was yeah, also hilarious that they're like she tried a new chili powder. Uh. Um, myth. That and I was like, for- that is terrible. <laughs> it is uh, bad, but I will defend that on this level. That is a callback to her YouTube video that she made on the Kanachan TV. Of course it is. Of course it is. But <laughs> it is. So I like that they just sounded so goofy to say it. it. <laughs> like, come feud, on. Yeah, this feud does does nothing for me. And as I said last oh, week, I think it's already better than the uh, pre WrestleMania feud because that wasn't a feud. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. At least, at least we have heat between these two now. But I still stand by what I said last week. Asuka needs to get some promo time and let her do something. I feel uh, like she needs to win. That would help a lot. And I think a lot of people have talked about maybe Bianca, maybe the fans not really riding with this title reign anymore. I don't sense a big... There was a report the other day that she could be going heel soon. Yeah, her and the Prophets both, which I think that would be interesting... And we kind of flipped the script on SmackDown a little bit because now you have Asuka and Bianca both on the heel side again. And then EO can win. What a great idea that is. We, uh, have, we have found the solution, folks. There you right go. here on Wrestle Update. You're welcome. That is why you are a pro at this, my friend. Uh, but, again, very basic segment on that. Another basic segment where Grayson Waller had his first Grayson Waller effect. Uh, AJ was on. And basically, AJ talked for five minutes saying, I work harder than everybody. And Grayson was like, oh, yeah, I can't believe it. I got goosebumps. And then at the end, he was like, my prediction is Seth will win. And AJ, yeah, AJ just stood off. It was such a weird, stupid segment. Uh, And then we got Karrion Cross. That was even worse. Calling out AJ, which just tells everyone that AJ has no shot because he's now made two new rivals on SmackDown before even wrestling for the world title. And I wanted to see Waller cut a more substantial promo. They just had him sitting there while AJ talked. Uh, He needed to, he excels at that. So I don't know. He's just uh, the Miz. That's kind of how they used him here. Although he's yet to be completely jobbed out, but still not great. Um, Another thing, Raquel Rodriguez announced that Liv's injury is more serious than they thought. They're going to have to forfeit the titles, and there's going to be a four-way tag title match on Raw after Saudi to determine the new champs. Uh, they set up Ronda and Shayna on Raw as a tag team, so you'd think like, they favorites. I'd like to congratulate Liv Morgan on avoiding having to tap out to Ronda Rousey. Because <laughs> that was her destiny. You are right. They would not jab out Raquel. To, <laughs> so they, would, they would use her instead. Um, do you have any thoughts on who the champions could be? Besides it's going to be Ronda Rousey and Shane Baszler. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I think that's a fine spot with Ronda. I, I much prefer that to her going for a singles title. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, pretty Deadly and Dawn of Fire got both got debut wins. Dawn of Fire to squash, fine. Oh, I don't like Pretty Deadly. 
Yeah, pretty deadly sucks. I was, I was gonna say they're this. not a good like they're, in in ring wise they're not that good. Character wise they do a good job, but they're more like the Miz to me than Waller kind of like. Yeah, they, no, I get that. I get that. <laughs> yeah, where they're like goofy and can be kind of amusing sometimes, sometimes kind of obnoxious and really yeah. I don't like them. And in the ring they just Grayson Waller's like Miz when he was actually like a main eventer, um, and pretty deadly's like Miz now. <laughs> yeah, and I like. I think Waller's a decent in-ring guy and better than these guys. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, you mentioned it before, Theory, another basic segment. Again, this is like out-of-universe mode in a modern game. Like Not like the career modes in the 08, 07. Oh, my God. Theory's <laughs> so lame. Yeah, like such a basic like heel trash talk. And then Sheamus came out. He acted like he was going to talk. But then instead, he just turned around and hit a bro kick. Just give Sheamus the title. Okay. Yeah, he's awesome. Great worker. Uh, nice. This to me was the only thing that was actually effective and useful, which is more than most things on the show, in my opinion. Uh, so, to me, it obviously wasn't. You could tell they had to tape two SmackDowns. Oh, totally. Good point too, because they had to save it. Yeah, that's probably exactly why things played out this way, because it was like no creativity at all in any of these segments. The best thing was the bloodline stuff. I mean, I think we all expect that anyway most weeks. But when Roman's there, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just some ratings real quick on Raw. Let's smack that before we get to preview the show. We're almost, uh, you know, finished. Uh, Raw ratings on Cage Match. The show got a 7.90, which is kind of way too high, in my opinion. But it was a decent show, I thought. Uh, Nakamura versus Miz, 6.45 rating. You know, Nakamura got a win. That's something, at least. Uh, I wouldn't say it was. It was Miz, though, so how great can you be? The Intercontinental Title Battle Royal, 6.72. Dominic Xavier Woods was 5.39. Total nothing match. Uh, in this year on Raw beat Drake, Tom- Drake Thompson and LeVar Barbie. Squash match, no rating. Raquel Rodriguez beat Chelsea Green, no rating. Squash match. And the main event, Judgment Day and, and Owens and Zayn, 7.72. Uh, Meltzer also gave it three and three quarters. So, uh, the main event was really the only thing the inmates think that you should watch. And I kind of agree with them, <laughs> like based on the, the ratings. Uh, on SmackDown, 7.03 for Pretty Deadly and the Bronx Brutes. Yeah, that's a little high in my book. People like uh, Prince and Wilson out here, I guess. Uh, Oscar and Vega. I didn't know their names until you just said it. Yeah, that's true. And I probably would have forgotten if I wasn't reading them off of the, <laughs> of the website. So even I cannot be totally excused. Oscar and Zelina, 6.06. Pretty fair. Street Profits and LA Night Boogs. No rating. Squash match just set up Night and Boogs. Uh, you know, feud coming up. Fire and Dawn beating uh, Valentina Feroz and Ulyssa Leon, uh, which I was very surprised to see them on SmackDown, but uh, it's fine. I, 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 this is a good. Yeah, they use actual NXT people to do the job, so I thought that was shocking. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, wow, I guess that. I don't know if that's a good sign for them, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, well, we needed company. Yeah. Where is she? Does she still work for this company? Yeah, she didn't get drafted at all. She wasn't a freelancer. She wasn't a free agent. She wasn't on SmackDown. She wasn't on NXT. She's just another planet, I think, at the moment. Uh, but when will we see her again? The questions we all need the answers to one day we'll get. Uh, the LWO and Usos match got 8.26, so highly rated match. And that was a really good match, too. Uh, maybe a little high, but I still liked it well, well enough. So with that said... We will talk about the Night of Champions show right now because we are going to do a full show next week. We're going to skip the weekly stuff next week. Uh, it's going to be all about Night of Champions. 
And I'm working on something for um, the AEW pay-per-view the, the day after as well. You'll get a show at some point for that as well, probably the, the next day. But uh, we will see. But let's go to the Night Champions from Saudi Arabia. This is one of those Arabian shows. Uh, like you said, the card itself, just a few matches, and we'll add on one. Uh, well, we, we can kind of briefly go over this. Uh, Ripley and Natty, they were teasing on Raw for the SmackDown women's title that's on Raw. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything really to say about it. They haven't, you know, Rhea kind of threatened her on Raw where she was like, if you interrupt me again, I'll kill you or, or something like that. But, uh, you know, if they do it, Ripley will win. It's fine. Like, that could be an okay match whenever they do it. Yeah, I, uh, congratulations uh, for victory defense number two for Rhea Ripley. No respect for Natty. Uh, this show. Not, not that can't, I, can't tell you the last time I enjoyed a Natty match. You may be onto something there. When, and well, what about this match? Again, it hasn't been officially announced, but it will be when they sign the contract on Raw. Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch. They did a pretty great angle. Uh, the well, they had Trish cut a pretty great promo a couple of weeks ago, and then this week Becky came out to cut her own promo where she was super pissed at uh, Trish calling her baby stupid, uh, and it basically said she lit a fire under her. And yeah, I mean this this feud has been built up for a while. There's nothing that I thought was like, oh, this is really great stuff, but the match should be interesting at least. I think the idea of Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus is a lot better than what the execution of the match will be. Um, right? I mean... Trish looked better than Becky at WrestleMania, in my, in my opinion. I don't even remember that match. I just remember EO carrying everyone. Um, legitimately. Like, that's not me just being an EO fan. That's just... I remember her doing a lot of the work to make the other team look a lot better. Um, well, she failed at Lita because Lita looked terrible. <laughs> but, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> only so many miracles can happen. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I don't think this match will be like anything special. I think it'll be fine. Um, but it's cool that it's happening. Obviously, it's Trish Stratus in a singles match against Becky Lynch. You know, two of your biggest stars ever. Who do you think is wise? Uh, Becky. I think Trish will just move on. Go away again. <laughs> no love for uh, Trish here. I well, think Trish did this with Charlotte yeah. two years ago, and she disappeared. So I'm sure this will be the same, but she gets a big Saudi paycheck with this one. That, that's a great point as well. Uh, you may be onto something. I kind of think Trish will win only because they are going to have the money in the bank at uh, in, in the UK. That's true. And I think that this would be a great match to have on the undercard. You know, like get the fans really rallying behind Becky. And but does that come with a Saudi paycheck? That's a good point. Uh, there, uh, that's something we need, <laughs> we need to see. Uh, you know, you may be honest. Like, we may find out after this match. We have our answers. So uh, good, good points on your part. I can't argue with you at all. You may have beat me in this game of chess, but we will see. Uh, the Raw women's title match on, on SmackDown. This has been announced. Uh, Bianca Belair defending against Asuka. I mentioned before, I do not like the feud because it's so basic, but you are right about it being better than the WrestleMania one. But I love the WrestleMania match we talked about last week. I think this will deliver just as good. Uh, who do you think will win? Um, I'm going to go with... Huh. Let me think here. I'm going to stay safe and go with Bianca. Yeah. 
I, th- I think that if at this point, remember, they've done a great job of building up her reign as historical. And this just doesn't as much as Asuka is my absolute favorite person on any brand of WWE. Um, I wish that she would win, but I also love Bianca. There's nothing against her at all. Uh, I think they want her loss to be a big moment for somebody. And I don't think if she just loses it after, like, with the minimal buildup that they've had, the chili pepper uh, being the big thing of this feud, I don't think that's enough to win. So I'm going to agree with you, even though if Asuka won, I'd be very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah that's right. We agree. <laughs> you, you, you won me over on that Trish and Becky thing. I was doubting you at first, but you, you won me over. And I think we'll definitely agree on the next one. We talked about it a little bit already. Gunther versus Ali for the IC title. Uh, there is like 0% chance that Ali will, will win this match. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited for a Gunther title. Gunther. Gunther title defense. I should say it right. It's Gunther. Gunther. I I love his music. His whole swag was so good. I love that they put so much time on him on Raw. That was I think that's why I liked Raw better than SmackDown because he got so much. But yeah, Mustafa, Mustafa Respector right here. So I hope they have a match. But you, your earlier prediction may also be right about Ali just getting destroyed. So then you've got. Uh, according to the line, I'm going bottom to top on WWE's own website, which Scott put me up on game right now. Genius of the wrestling business right now. Uh, Scott Edwards. Seth freaking Rollins versus AJ Styles for the newly christened World Heavyweight title. This is another one where I think if Seth doesn't win this here, something crazy happened <laughs> going on. I think Seth has to win. This needs to be the main event. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Establish this title instantly. This needs to be the main event. Um, yes, Seth wins. Just put him in the main event and have He him. is a visionary! A revolutionary! Sorry. You love doing that, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> and I don't blame you. It's so fun. I, I say it for like an entire day after I see him say it once. I love it. That's awesome. It's so fun to say, too. That is one thing. I said last week I wasn't a huge fan of his character uh, overall. I but that- am a revolutionary. <laughs> but that part, the catchphrase and stuff, that's something a lot of guys are missing these days. It's kind of a throwback to the Attitude Era, where you have these catchphrase promos, and he nails it with that. I so, love uh, Seth. He's my guy. Good I love guy. AJ. I love AJ, too, but he's just not going to win. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. Yeah, I don't think I need to see another AJ Styles World title reign. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, he, he, you know, it's not been the greatest. But I'm not going to say he's washed, but he might be washed. I think I think this match will be a strong match, though. I like this Seth. This match will tell me where AJ Styles is at in his career. Yeah, exactly. If this doesn't deliver, then I think we may be having that conversation uh, on Saturday. Tag titles, Sami Zayn and KO versus the Bloodline, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. I'm going to go with Sami and KO. Yeah, I think they should win. Um, I think maybe – I don't think the – the, are the Usos allowed there? That is true. Jimmy has a rap sheet uh, that, that could prevent. They both that. do. Yeah, but um, did, did, were they on the other shows though? That's what I'm wondering. What was the last one? Uh, the last one was was it? Who was in the main event of the last one? The Crown Jewel. Yeah, that's right. Crown Jewel 2022. 
Yeah, it's Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Logan Paul. Oh, the Usos are allowed there, so I think the Usos <laughs> accidentally cost Reigns and Solo the match. Yeah, that's exactly what I think will happen too, and it furthers their story and gives Sammy and KO a bit of I, revenge. I know people hate like the run-ins and stuff, but I think this would be a good time to do that. Yeah, this time it actually totally makes sense uh, yeah. overall to do that. So yeah, I'm totally with you, and we agree on uh, four of the matches. We only disagreed on, on Becky and Trish. Well, we have another difference here, uh, but there's only one more left. Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes. Now, before we make a prediction, I specifically noted this down because I had to say something about it. I needed an outlet outlet to talk about this. I hated Cody's promo on Raw for one reason. He comes out at first. I mean, he gets a great reaction, all of that. At first, everything's cool. He's talking about the history of Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, and his dad, and blah, blah, blah. And suddenly he starts talking about the scorpion and the frog. The dumbest story ever with a dumbass moral. Mm-hmm. This make, this story makes no sense. First of all, why is a scorpion messing around with a frog? They live in totally separate environments. That doesn't make any sense. Secondly, mm-hmm. in the story, the scorpion died too. They all died. There was no pur- purpose. There's no moral to this story. Other than don't trust scorpions, which we know that. Nobody's going to play with a scorpion. That's stupid. Thirdly, who was he, who was he saying was the frog? Was it him? Who was the frog? Him or he? Brock? He was the frog, I think. So he drowned. He, he died. He totally they both died. died. And then they both died. So what was the point of this <laughs> promo? I <laughs> don't know. This was the bad part. The ending part was great, though. That part yeah. was like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. he did turn it around. That is fair. But is, is this the night that Cody Rhodes beats, wins, or will Frog Lesnar beat Cody? Yeah. Um, Cody should win and move on. He should. Yes. Uh, I think... I think going to a third match would solve nothing. Personally, I don't think it's necessary. I think Cody needs to walk out of this feud strong, and there's no way of doing no better way of doing that than having him win twice. Though I am shocked they haven't added a stipulation. I'm still waiting for that. It's a fight. Yeah, no, I've heard, I've heard that plenty. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. No, there's no official ruling on this. It's just, Unless they put up a cage or an octagon around them to make it a UFC fight. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if they do that, then Cody ain't winning, buddy. <laughs> you don't think Cody could hang as a shooter against Brock? Uh, No, I, I don't. I think Who he, will the frog be in the UFC cage, in the octagon? I don't want to talk about the frog. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the frog and the scorpion. If I never heard about the frog and the scorpion again, I think we'd all be better off. Absolutely agree there, but I I think this feud, this match needs to be whatever you want to call it or whatever stipulation they may put on it. They still have Monday to do that. Um, this needs to be another bloody brawl somehow. Brock needs to go into business for himself again and, and bust himself open. Uh, you know, something maybe with a weapon, a definitive win for Cody to slay the beast, you know, as they say. And then Brock... I don't think he has any purpose really beyond this feud with Cody at the moment. Say, bench him for a month or two, and you could have him come back later for something. Uh, I, I think Cody just needs to get a definitive win here and move on, like you said, too. I mean, remember, the next show is going to be Money in the Bank, and I think that a lot of people peg Cody for a spot in that match. So I'll go with yeah. that. 
So I was just agreeing with you. That's all. But I appreciate your agreement. See, we agree on everything except for Trish and Becky. That's going to be the determiner of who wins the prediction game for Night of Champions. But we both won by doing the show, and hopefully you guys feel like you've won as well listening to the show. Uh, hopefully y'all had fun with us. I had fun doing it. Scott, you got any last words for everybody? Any plugs you want to lay out? Anything you want to say to everybody out there? Yeah, of course, we'll be back for Night of Champions review next week. That should be a lot of fun, hopefully. As long as the show's good. If the show's bad, then it should still be fun for us. Yeah, um, fun for us. <laughs> though, though the viewing wasn't. <laughs> that being said, next week's a big week and weekend in pro wrestling, so should be overall a lot of fun. Uh, in terms of plugs, so yeah, you can check me out over on the Five Star Joe Show on the Fight Game Media Network if you're into Joshi wrestling. I also have a podcast out about the great Hanakamura, uh, who, the late great Hanakamura. I have two episodes out about that. That's called Stardom Road. You can check that out on all podcast platforms. Um, talking about her career and her importance, of course, as we approach the anniversary of her passing on the 23rd. And that's my final plug. Everyone, please go order uh, the Hanukkah Memorial Show um, pinks, because to me that's uh, more meaningful than anything you could do by listening to me. Um, so thank you for listening, and can't wait to be back next week. One trillion percent co-signed on pinks. Um, the last two years of Hanukkah tribute shows have been amazing, um, very emotional shows, both of them. And this year, it will be no different. And also, uh, any uh, anybody who buys the show on Fight Two, there remember that's going to help Hana's mom Kyoko as well, uh, mm-hmm. and doing some great things. So, and you have unlimited replays. Absolutely, it's a great card too. I know you yeah. posted on your Twitter. Uh, everybody, follow him, Scotty Wrestling on Twitter. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, check check out the card there for Pinks. It's really cool. Uh, follow my other show, The Eastern Lariat. We'll, I'll say something on there uh, leading onto the show as well. Um, and with me, Viva underscore zero, uh, that's a tribute to Ray, my favorite Joshi wrestler, recipes to her uh, a long time ago as well. Uh, like Scott said, we will be back next Saturday, next weekend, uh, whenever it gets out. I think it should be Saturday, maybe Sunday at the latest. Uh, we will be back talking Night of Champions. Our whole show review, it's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait to do it. I'm very hyped for it. Thank you to everybody who tuned in last week for episode one. Thank you to those coming back, continuing the journey with us. And thank you to everybody who is new, listening. And until next time, this has been your Wrestle Update.